think that's air you're breathing now? Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are continuing on watching uh, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, episodes 17 through 19. At the end of the last podcast, I brought up like, hey, episode 17 is a, a we're getting some more Rohan. We're getting an episode called called Rohan Kashibe's Adventure. Mm-hmm. And when you read that title, you think this is going to be a gag episode. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a funny joke episode. But instead, I hope you're ready for fucking lore. I hope you are ready to be jam packed with exposition yep. and the f- whole plot line for the rest of the season. Yeah, th- this is this is the episode that sets up the rest of the show. <laughs> we don't have time for an OP. We don't have time for the end credits. It's just go time, motherfucker. It is time to set up everything that's important in JoJo that hasn't already been set up in part four. God, this one is so stuffed. It's so stuffed. This is going to be it's a very big. long episode. Yeah, it is. Especially when we've got fucking a, a special little boy to talk about after this. <laughs> <laughs> God, God, I love the special little boy, but it's going to yeah. be an hour before we can talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so let's get going. Rohan Kachibe's adventure. We start off with a shot of a a map of Morio. With a, a Koichi in front of it. And you think, you think this is the same sort of flattening of space, the, the same sort of, I don't know, visual novel or JRPG thing we've mm. had so many times. But it's actual representation of real space because he's walking in front of like a wayfinding sign in the shopping district. Yep. It's, I it's, love we get, it. Yeah, we get a nice close-up shot of, of this map then Koichi walking in front of it and as koichi walks in front of it he wipes to a camera angle further away to Mm -hmm. reveal that he is actually in front of a real physical map but but yeah as he's walking around downtown uh rohan is there and he looks like he got an office job he's like in a button-up shirt and like khakis or some shit he's wearing a tie he he's tucked that shirt into his khakis like yeah (laughs) Whenever Rohan changes outfits, he is always going to keep that like fountain pen nib motif because mm-hmm. he's got like a he's got like a pocket, like a, a chest pocket that is just that. <laughs> it's sewn into in that design. It's where he keeps his spare nibs in case he needs to throw them as weapons. But Rohan needs help. You see, he he's looking for a particular place and is hoping that his best friend Koichi, the, <laughs> with his local knowledge can help him find it. The place he's looking for is his childhood home. See, Rohan is so weird he had to come to Morio, but he's so weird because he was born in Morio. Yeah, he he moved away with his family to S City when he was about 4 years old. So he has very vague memories of of Morio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I should also mention when Rohan appears he doesn't go like oh hi Koichi he is just looming behind Koichi like peeking from around the map like a fucking creep (laughs) and Koichi's reaction to Rohan going like oh hey is to quiver in fear (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess after defeating Heaven's Door he got to keep all those memories he was losing uh, uh, at you know the actual door and so now yeah yeah, not a very positive opinion (laughs) of this looming creepazoid yeah Rohan like you know tells Koichi like oh no 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 don't worry I got beaten up so good I'm definitely nice now (laughs) I'm still a creep but I'm not hostile towards you god he gets so creepy in a minute in a lot of minutes this episode's so fucking stuffed uh so (laughs) 
So while Rohan is looking for hints of memory, of anything that can help him find the, the place where he grew up, he's looking at this big, you know, sign on the street showing uh, all the local businesses and whatnot, and he points out a discrepancy. See, there there is an alley plainly visible in real space that is not reflected mm-hmm. on this map, and he thinks this is some weird shit. Whereas I would say yeah. this map isn't for sanitation workers to to make their way through the city. <laughs> There's no reason to put like this. This map is for shoppers and tourists to get an idealized view yeah. of, of the layout. But Rohan immediately is is sniffing like something weird going on there. And this alley is like between what they call an Osen, which is just a real convenience like 7-Eleven type place in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's called Tucson, I think. They just took a letter out. Love it. Uh, love it. <laughs> yeah. There, there's an alleyway between Tucson or Osen and this this other business that's not on the map. So it's just like, come on, Koichi. I need you to come with me. And he guilt trips him into doing it, which works somehow. Yeah. Koichi's really just like, no, I don't have time for this shit. And yeah, he just gets guilted into doing it basically with no indication that this alley has anything to do with the place he's looking for by the way yeah it's it's rohan is just curious now <laughs> and so yeah after guilting koichi koichi's just like fine i'll you know come along with you for about like five minutes but i really gotta go and so they they begin walking down this alleyway Rohan's looking at his own personal map, which also does not reflect this alleyway. And this alley doesn't end in a a dead end. It's not like sanitation. Like when you go down, it turns and there's like houses and and a post box. There's a whole neighborhood back here. And it's not on the official like uh, uh, government authority street map that uh, uh, Rohan is so proud of either. Yeah. To which Koichi uh, uh, says, well, hey, you can just like tell the bookstore. Maybe they'll give you some coupons. <laughs> yeah. He's so excited about vouchers. This is we're basically going to be three episodes in a row where people get excited about vouchers and coupons. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Rohan's pissed and saying, like, I don't think this mistake can be rectified with just a few coupons. <laughs> Oh, Matt, if I lived in this neighborhood with such, like, easy access to the shopping district, but, you know, sort of nestled away from the street a little bit for for privacy and to keep Uh the noise out, I wouldn't want it on the map either. This is some prime shit. I want to live here. Yeah, this this is don't let anyone else know this place exists. Like, there's a vending machine right outside one of these people's houses. Definitely don't use Rohan's uh, uh, real estate agent because he blabs to everybody everything. (laughs) Yeah. So when they're walking down this alley, the the camera focuses on something that seems completely not important, but it will be. Mm-hmm. There is a post box down this road, and right next to the p- the post office is a dog poop that has been stepped on. Yes, <laughs> uh, l- like you might see walking through through a town like this anywhere in the world, any given day. Mm-hmm. So so they're looking around these houses. There's one very spooky looking house. Yeah, super abandoned. That Koichi gets a little freaked out about. And, and we see like three or four shots of the house at once, like close ups on different aspects arrayed in a, a panel border format, including mm-hmm. the abandoned dog house and a, a much closer shot of the dog collar like clipped to a lead attached to the doghouse. Where's Rocky? <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the collar says Rocky. There's no Rocky. Wait a minute. Yeah. Dog violence is afoot. Oh, shit. It's been just a tiny bit since a dog's face got ripped off or something. So 
they they continue walking down this this alleyway, this neighborhood. Th- this whole neighborhood is just dead. Mm-hmm. There's seemingly no one home in any of these houses. All the houses appear abandoned, even the ones that aren't in disrepair. Well, it is a ghost street, after all. Uh, yeah. uh, ghost streets can refer to one of a few things. One of the more interesting ones that doesn't apply to this is uh, buildings that are laid out in relationship to a form of transit that doesn't exist anymore. So sometimes if you're just like looking at satellite views of of Los Angeles or whatever, you'll see just a diagonal strip through the street grid where a streetcar line used to be. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. That's neat. Uh, But ghost streets can also refer to intentional mistakes put into maps so that map makers know when they are being plagiarized. Oh, huh. Now, it's usually streets inserted on a map where a street doesn't actually exist because that's the sort of mistake that doesn't make your map less usable as opposed to what we have here, a street that does exist that isn't on maps. (laughs) Yeah. Huh. I never imagined that there would be stuff that there were techniques like that to avoid map plagiarizers. That's neat. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rohan and Koichi keep walking down this this street and going just going like, man, this whole place is really weird. What's going on here? And as they do that, they realize they are back where they were earlier by the post box with the dog poop. Yes, it's it's the exact same poop, and you can't step on the same poop twice. Yeah, it's 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 like stepping through a river. It's never the same poop twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So obviously it is time to to summon echoes and and get a a bird's eye view of the situation. And so Koichi summons echoes act one intentionally. This is just a thing he can do. He can actually pull out the different versions of his stand. I thought that was just an animation error many episodes ago, but he can just do that. Uh, uh, We rescind the accusation of fuck up. There we go. It's, It's all good. And yeah, basically anytime you see Act 1 get summoned for the rest of the anime, it's specifically because Act 1 has the longest range and he uses it for surveillance. A range so long that he bonks into an invisible ceiling of some sort. So this isn't going to work either. Yeah, there, there's something real funky going on. And as they're they're trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on here, something really suspicious, maybe we should like leave. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a teenage girl appears behind them just asking like, yo, are you lost? And Rohan freaks out. He shouts a girl like he's confused <laughs> and and suspicious that such a thing could exist. Is this like friends? Is this something else that is not present in Pink Dark Boy? <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no girls in it either. Meanwhile, Koichi has the appropriate reaction of she must be a stand user. <laughs> <laughs> something fucky is going on. This, this road seems to loop infinitely. Maybe here's another person fucking get him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so yeah after rohan freaks out at seeing a girl he he uh brings forth heaven's door which actually has a physical form now yeah he brings it forth by just sketching in the air with a, a flurry of of strokes and and you know yeah. the sound of pencil on paper it, the main character of pink dark boy pops yeah. out yeah this little koichi sized dude with a trench coat that is Heaven's Door now. Mm-hmm. And so he, he launches that attack towards this girl. And so she passes out. Her book face, you know, flaps open. Yeah, yeah. Because the hand of the, the pink dark boy, the body of Heaven's Door, like, launches and touches her on the temple. Yeah. And she passes out and her book opens up. Maybe she's just looking for her lost dog. Rocky got out. <laughs> Maybe. And so before reading anything else in the book, 
Rohan just immediately writes in her margins like, "You can't beat us up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat us up." And then they keep they actually read, start reading her pages, and go like, "Oh wait, she's just a girl." Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a stand. Quote, oh dear, she's just an ordinary girl. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't going to hurt us at all. And then (laughs) Rohan gets real creepazoid. Oh, because he starts. Before we talk about this, there's a quick line earlier about how, again, we're we're maintaining the idea that Heaven's Door only works or at least works best on people who are quote unquote compatible with it. Yeah. And and the, the wonderful line, it doesn't work on haters like Josuke who wouldn't know art if it kicked him in the groin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that that's like the big limitation of Heaven's Door. If you don't like manga, if you hate manga, it won't work it on It does you. not work on Philistines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just tells me that Rohan would be utterly fucked if he went to certain regions of the world like dude if you're in like a real suburban area in america or something where it's older people who don't even know what the fuck anime is (laughs) your powers don't work on anybody you go to applebee's and someone tries to shoot you you're getting shot What what sort of art is Josuke into? Because everybody likes something. Like we know he likes oh, Gradius. He, so that that's something yes. to work from. Yeah. Hmm. In an episode or two, he's going to talk about loving sneakers. The amount that Josuke prides himself on his appearance, it feels like he would be into fashion. Maybe. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. So if Heaven's Door were a fashion magazine, yeah, <laughs> he'd fall hard. So, so, yeah, back to, to Rohan flipping through the, the lady pages. Mmm, don't like that. Don't like that I just said that. Uh, mm-hmm. He discovers her name is Raimi Sugimoto. She's yep. 16. She lives very nearby. And the first thing this grown adult man learns about yep. this teenage girl is her measurements and that she's single. Yeah. Unless you're opening a dress door, you can fuck right off. Yep. And also other creepazoid shit. Thankfully, Koichi is, you know, the good nice boy and tell and fucking screams at, at Rohan yeah, to fucking knock his shit off. As soon as he starts talking about her first menstruation, he's like, shut the fuck up, dude. You need to stop. Yeah. It, it's And Rohan's, like, reaction to being yelled at is just like, my bad. Jeez. <laughs> I was just having some fun. <sighs> I don't. I don't need to know that her. It. She was eleven when she got her first kiss, and the dude slipped her his tongue. I don't need to know that. Yeah. Fucking gross, dude. Fucking stop. Now that we have a name, let's talk about uh, uh, Raimi's look. Uh, I love her sleeve warmers that look like uh, uh, the ribbons that come up from ballet shoes, but it's on her arms. Oh yeah, yeah. I like. I. I really like Raimi's design. She is. Her entire motif is just pink. Uh, pink hair, pink dress, pink arm sleeve thingies ribbons and bows everywhere she's just adorable honestly she's very cute she's very cute in the non-creepy not rohan way yeah yeah (laughs) yeah she's almost wearing Aerith's dress but if it were a little shorter and with more yeah 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 more bows (laughs) i i also like her choker which uh has like a a metal clasp of two hands like shaking hands yeah the clasp is cool it's very good but yeah, she she has a short, like, above-the-shoulder cut uh, uh, pink hair, because everything's pink. Very mm. sort of lemonade, sort of pale yellow uh, uh, hairband holding it out of her face. It's mm-hmm. a good look! Yeah, it's a good look. It's a really cute character design that also would be pretty easy to cosplay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
the hardest part is probably just dyeing the hair on it. <laughs> and maybe finding sleeve the those sleeve things that look close enough. But uh, I mean, if if you're gonna go this, if you're gonna try to be accurate, you're gonna be uh, making some stuff your own, and those would not be too hard to make. But yeah, after Koichi fucking s- screams <laughs> at Rohan, like he 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 just shouts, "She's not a stand user, so I forbid you from reading any more of her book." Uh, <laughs> And so Rohan just goes, okay, all right, fun's over. And he just writes in her book one more time, just saying, I will forget everything that just immediately happened. And so they just basically reset the conversation. Yeah, yeah, let's let's roll that back a bit. Start over <laughs> from one. And she is uh, uh, just a, a bright ray of sunshine in their lives. She's the, the high school girl that uh, everybody like immediately falls in love with in like their, their slice mm-hmm. of life show, right? The, the 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 really friendly but like peppy one yeah there, there's a touch of whimsy like honestly Aerith in in the remake is not a bad comparison yeah it's yeah i i can see her exclaiming shit if the the ladder falls away <laughs> to, just in time yeah and the first thing she does is insist on everybody doing pocky fortune telling yes yeah she pulls out a pack of pocky the, the the way you do the this divination is to you each person grabs one end and then you just snap it and whoever gets the the shorter end i believe or the longer end you know that's how you, you tell their their fortune and the way it breaks shows that rohan is going to get dumped he, he's going to be uh, uh rotten in love because he's so uh, uh like self-centered and <laughs> and and proud and he's like hey you shut the fuck up <laughs> Yeah. I listen to other people all the time. Like I listened to Koichi when he said he didn't want to come with me on this adventure. He still came with me because I'm such a cool guy. <laughs> yep. I do love that the show does take multiple times to dunk on Rohan for being a bit of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not like the show wrote this asshole and went like, Isn't he cool? Don't you want to be him? It's like, no, he's fucking weird. <laughs> Everybody hates him. They just have to hang out with him because he won't take no for an answer, which is not a <laughs> yeah. good thing in a guy. Yeah. Ro- Rohan is like putting his his arm around Koichi's shoulder going like, that's a load of bullshit, right, Koichi? You came willingly. And Koichi's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> this dude's so petty. He means goes like, you know what? I don't need Pocky to fucking tell your fortune. Uh, you, you know, your whole thing is that you, you're pink. You got pink nail polish, which means that you're afraid of falling in love. And at a crucial moment, you're going to miss out on your chance to, you know, meet your one true love. Fuck you. It's psychology rather than fortune telling. I know how to profile people. Uh, so she's like, okay, yeah, maybe. You want to hear a story? <laughs> you want to know what's even scarier than a dateless life, huh? Huh? Murder house. Ah, so yeah, she's walking up to the uh, house Koichi was looking at earlier, the spooky abandoned mansion. And she brings up the like, yeah, okay, here's a spooky story. There was a homicide here at this house 15 years ago. Yeah, she she introduces it as a story she she heard from an old lady. So yeah, 15 years ago, there there's this uh, uh, girl who's like sleeping soundly in her bed, safe in the knowledge that right beneath the bed is is her beloved dog, her, her trusted companion. But she wakes up 
to hear this weird dripping noise and it's starting to freak her out and it keeps dripping and dripping for 10 minutes. She's listening to it and getting more and more scared until she wakes up the nerve to, to, to get out of bed, throw open the closet door. And that dripping is the blood draining from the neck of her dead dog. Ah, ah the dog's been like hung up in a coat rack or something. It's ah. fucked up. Ah. It is fucked up. You see a dog's head hanging by a thread and under the bed was the murderer ah! no they don't do that part <laughs> no they do the, the murderer oh, no, wait, they do, is they do the that part the murderer is under the bed i forgot and he's like ah! hey kid i killed your parents and now i'm gonna kill you too ah. yeah <laughs> they they do when she's telling the story they actually flip to some animated segments of the story she's telling but it almost mm-hmm. looks like a dramatic reenactment done for like a lifetime true crime show or something yeah it, it's very unsolved mysteries yes yeah <laughs> so so back out of the story koichi and rohan are like they are frightened it is an effectively told you know scary story around the campfire or whatever and she's like yeah. haha just kidding don't make fun of my nail polish asshole <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so good i love her yeah Raimi, Raimi's fun yeah, after that, telling that story, Ramy or not, Rohan uh, has his back to this old abandoned house, and then he starts hearing a dripping noise, and mm-hmm. he gets freaked out, and he slowly turns around, and in the, the yard, just beyond the gate to this house, is a dog sitting there with its neck, you know, slashed what, completely open, and it's just dripping blood everywhere. Yeah, like... At least two-thirds of the way through the neck. I don't know how this head is still attached. Yeah, so, this dog is acting like it's fine, by the way. Like, it's just sitting yeah, there. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm a dog. So it turns out the, the whole just kidding thing is where she was actually kidding. It's a real story. By the way, she's a ghost. She's a ghost. She's a and fucking so is the dog. ghost. Dog's a ghost. The do- And the dog's name is Arnold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, Rohan realizes in this moment one of the limits to Heaven's Door's abilities it can only read the the memory someone makes in life. So it didn't know she's dead. It certainly didn't know she's a ghost or anything that's happened in the last 15, 16 years. And so, yeah, both Rohan and Koichi freak out like, oh shit, a ghost, Mm -hmm. which are real in JoJo now. Yes. (laughs) If vampires are real, you think ghosts aren't? jojo had just never gotten around to doing a ghost story yet and now we got one i feel like if there weren't stands and if hamon if, if the hamon stories didn't accelerate so f- uh fast into like mm-hmm. mega cars we would have <laughs> had some ghosts we might add some werewolves oh, yeah. oh yeah oh god werewolves and jojo would have been fun but but we finally by by you know pumping the brakes by saying that no th- this is a story about the weird adventures that teens get into after school now yeah. ghosts are on the table again yeah yeah, they're they're both freaking out that they're meeting a two real live actual well not live but real ghosts. Arnold walks over to Raimi to get some chin scratches and hell you know, she yeah, starts, good boy. Starts, she starts scratching the good boy's chin and he's just gushing blood everywhere, <laughs> just just shooting gallons and gallons of blood all over the the ground while she's scratching him. Mm-hmm. And you know while she's doing this, uh, she tells Rohan and Koichi. That, hey, you were able to walk into this alleyway 
this place because our our wavelengths, whatever that is, are compatible. Mm-hmm. And where you are currently is the border between the living world and the afterlife. Which is our first explanation into why Morio is so weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the arrow is here for a little while and that has been attracting certain weirdos. But Morio has clearly been weird for a long time before that. Oh, yeah. It, it, it Even before stands were in Morio, Morio just seemingly is a place that is fucking haunted (laughs) it is a paranormal area that is haunted as heck as heck so with that news we we get a a quick like break on that uh, a cliffhanger for the echoes act one title card and then Mm. immediately uh uh, rohan is running as fast as he can holding koichi's hand who is like flailing behind him like a (laughs) scarf in the the wind wind. yeah yeah they're just booking it because they like koichi is screaming his lungs out because it's like oh fuck this is like purgatory that's a ghost that dog's a ghost (laughs) Ah!" and so and they keep running past the same post box over and over yeah yeah it's just like they don't know how to get out how the fuck do we you know what do we do and so koichi tries to send out echoes act one again and this time he hits an invisible wall but the invisible wall is the or the invisible ceiling is the ground they are standing on Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the camera like flips upside down and now koichi is upside down floating in the air so yeah, the, the whole like folding in of space is in all three dimensions. There, there is yeah. no escape. Which is when Raimi pops back out and is like, "Hey, all I did was tell you a story. You don't have to be afraid of me. I'm yeah. cool. We're cool." Yeah, Raimi is constantly trying to assuage him that she's a nice ghost. <laughs> she's not a murderous, scary ghost. She's just a girl. <laughs> she offers for like the third time like i know the way out i can help you just chill yeah yeah but the price she demands is uh uh, to tell the rest of her story because you know this this ghost street there there are some people on her wavelengths but she's never found anyone who has uh uh, gotten this far who who has seen her as a full apparition who has heard this Mm -hmm. much of her story and and she needs the world to know what happened yeah, and she also figures the the reason why they're so compatible with her is because they have special powers in the form of stands. How many times have we called stands ghosts, right? Yeah, it, right? It works. They're close enough. The main thrust of what is left to be told is that her killer still yet lives somewhere here in Morio, and she wants them to tell someone who can catch him. She doesn't know yeah. shit about, like, stand warriors, so she's like, you need to tell the cops. <laughs> please, <laughs> yeah. please tell them. This bit here where, where Raimi is, is laying all this out, this starts to tie into stuff that we we learned about Morio much earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in the show, such as, hey, isn't it weird that the amount of missing persons in Morio is like eight times the national rate? Yeah, Raimi and Koichi have access to the same statistics. Yeah. She, she asks that as like a, a rhetorical question and then answers herself with the eight times figure. And yeah, I'm just waiting for Koichi to be like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I did a lot of homework one day. Yeah. And so the this guy that killed her, stabbed her in the back, mm-hmm. murdered her. He's still out there. And he's a guy who she believes has completely blended into society and and he has he's never done anything to bring suspicion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. upon himself and he is clearly still killing too there's a lot of 
uh, uh, moments in this episode that sum up Rohan in like a single second. And one yeah. of them is him just being like, not my problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should probably just like get over being murdered and move on because this is not my business. Yeah. I'm going to write about this though. See ya. <laughs> yeah. He says like, I think you should just get, you know, give up this whole vengeance thing and just move on to the next, to, to the next life. I think that's what a ghost should do. <laughs> But uh, she continues, like, pleading and imploring because here in the nexus point on this ghost alley, she can see all of the souls on their journey. And uh, uh, she knows that it is one killer at large because they all have the same deep wound on their backs Mm -hmm. that she has. And she, like, undoes her dress and it slides down a bit. And we do not see the scars down her back. But Rohan and Koichi do and their uh, uh, reactions are horrifying yeah hands hands over their mouths like tears welling in their eyes like it's that bad and and she talks about her fear of what can happen to her beloved morio like if there's one thing morio has it's total fucking freak shows if there's two (laughs) things morio has it's incredible loyalty in its citizens Yeah, we we just have panning shot after panning shot of, you know, streets and the town square and, and, you know, overhead views that we've all seen before of Morio and its pleasant sunshine, ticky tacky colors. But then uh, an effect of like uh, a paper bursting into flame, right? Yeah. Revealing the, the dark, twisted Morio beneath. Yeah. Raimi's like beginning to cry at this point. She's very passionate about this and, you know, asking like, if you two don't fucking find somebody who mm-hmm. can help bring this killer to justice, who the fuck else is gonna? Yeah. Who's who's the next person that's going to be able to see me as clearly as you guys do, who can actually have a full conversation with me? Like, come on. Rohan, even at this point, is one over. Koichi, obviously, in, in a oh, second, yeah. was like, he yeah. Wanted- <laughs> yeah. Like earlier, Koichi was about to just full on agree, and mm-hmm. Rohan like puts his hands over his mouth to go like, no, 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 no. Oh, you you need a good boy to do nice things? Yeah, I'm your man. <laughs> but but yeah, now Rohan is down. A uh, uh, pink dark boy is about to have a true detective arc. Look forward to that. Oh uh, yeah. So so now it is time to get directions on the uh, uh, the way out. They just had to go back the way they came and turn left, and never turn back. Yeah, don't look behind you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, right before this, you know, Rohan is also one over, and he specifically says, "Yeah, I guess I'll do this. It'll be good material for my material for my manga." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Koichi <laughs> like uh, uh, just sort of whispers over to Raimi, like, "Do not trust this guy. He's in it for himself. He, you cannot rely on this man." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, you can't look back. Raimi just loved Hades Town, all about it, uh, and. <laughs> So so they lead the way to, you know, the corner down which the living may walk, but she cannot follow. And uh, her walk cycle, unremarkable, perfectly fine. The dogs, though, looks rough. Oh, yeah. There's going to be certain episodes from now on where you're going to see some rough stuff pop in every once in a while just because their production was like super tight on the second half of this show it's just the thing where the the speed of the pause moving backward does not match the speed of the ground moving backward (laughs) yeah this is a very slippery dog 
it's a shame that the the versions of the show that are on Netflix and basically every other streaming service are the ones that aired on TV and not the Blu-ray episodes, which got cleaned up more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rohan and Koichi are, are beginning to follow Raimi and Arnold. And the instant they start going down this road, both of them feel something super creepy behind them that's following them yeah there's a dark ominous presence we see it in the lighting we see it like around the edges of the frame but but we're just as blind to it as the characters as they're looking forward they just got to get to the end of the alley without turning around because if they turn around their souls will be trapped forever and that's bad (laughs) but it just it just ramps up the the tension and, and goes horror in the way that jojo's does so effectively so many times right every few seconds there's a new element that is building this tension uh you know the the sounds of ghost breathing uh uh, a warm sticky ooze going down koichi's neck (laughs) yeah i love that part it's fucking gross uh uh, that's the point that convinces him he's like oh i just gotta get down there i will full-on sprint that is my strategy yeah yeah (laughs) and so koichi sprints all the way down there's like this light at the end of the tunnel basically and he stops and he hears Raimi saying, like, you made it. You can turn around now. And the real Raimi is like, don't fucking do that. That's the fucking spooky thing with pretending to be me. He is tricked by ghost ventriloquism. <laughs> yeah. And so it's too late. Koichi has turned around and looked back. Mm-hmm. And there's just a massive black void behind them with hundreds of super long arms and all of these arms all these hands grab at uh, many different parts of koichi's body to to pull him back one of them grabs his head and rips echoes out of him to pull echoes separately yeah and so koichi's uh about to get pulled into hell basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is when uh uh, heaven's door (laughs) pops out and removes his sight, keeping him safe. Uh, Rohan's like, oh, th- this is the rules? I can rules lawyer this shit. Yeah. Uh, can't look back if you're blind. Yeah, Rohan, in a really funny line, especially when you hear it out of context, he says, I'm using Heaven's Door to remove your sense of sight. You're welcome. That is exactly Rohan's character, the you're welcome <laughs> bit. Yeah. <laughs> And so Koichi, now not being blind, can't get pulled into hell, into the afterlife. And so they both escape the alleyway and, you know, Rohan uses Heaven's Door again to restore Koichi's sight as Koichi is freaking the fuck out because he's blind now. And the the alley is just gone. The the two buildings yep. are, are, are basically adjacent to, to one another. Raimi is there to sort of like congratulate them. I think Koichi and Raimi should date. That's where I'm at. Oh, yeah. And it's yep. probably where I'm going to stay for the rest of part four. <laughs> He's my ghost girlfriend. Right? Uh, you wouldn't know right? her. She lives in hell. <laughs> yeah. How come your girlfriend never comes to dances? It's a long story. It's really, it's really long. You want to meet her? She's at the 7-Eleven trying to like bum smokes off people. <laughs> If you're psychic enough, you can meet her. Uh, so so with the danger behind us, Rohan visits uh, her grave, uh, I guess, in case he doubts the ghost. <laughs> but yeah. he, he says that he's not doubting. He just, you know, likes to have, you know, corroborating evidence. And he is immediately recognized by the, this old, old man tending the all the gravestones. Mm-hmm. I, I guess this dude does read manga, unlike Josuke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Rohan is, you know, visiting this grade, this grave, and this old man, when he, when he recognizes Rohan, it's just like, oh, uh, you were, I remember you, you were four years old back then. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm not surprised you don't remember this, but Rohan, when he was still living in Morio, actually lived close to the Sugimoto household yeah yeah essentially uh Raimi was his babysitter or, or the whole like Sugimoto family were, were like watching him one day when uh mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Kishibe went out for something or other and wouldn't you know it that was the day <laughs> yep Rohan was there little baby Rohan is the only survivor of this triple murder four if you count the dog but the legal system doesn't that's a separate crime uh, yeah <laughs> And, like, Rohan's just sitting there hearing the story, like, sweating bullets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He is only alive because Raimi snuck him out a window when things started going down before she was, like, discovered by the killer under her bed. Mm -hmm. Like, it happens a little fast, and and it's kind of wild. It's like, oh, shit, Rohan's also pretty important in this. But it's like, Rohan is clearly liked enough by the author to become like one of the main cast now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like more than the other people who've been beaten up and be- have become friends <laughs> you know have become like like rohan is basically the new member of like the main main cast now but yeah n- now that rohan he-, he has even more motivation now to actually solve this now that he basically owes his fucking life to Raimi. yeah now there's something in it for him uh so <laughs> yeah that's rohan baby <laughs> that's rohan man you know, when Rohan learns this information, he leaves the graveyard and we get the narrator introducing this alleyway as mm-hmm. another urban legend, yes. basically, yes. Of, of Morio. As Raimi is just hanging out there being like, hey, uh, I'll give you 20 bucks if you buy me beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whenever I see a 16 year old outside a convenience store, that's what I think is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, quote, if you ever find yourself wandering down this alley, you should never look back. Yeah, it's called Ghost Girls Alley. <laughs> we, we get our uh, uh, landmark title card at the very end. There's just minutes left. Mm-hmm. And afterward, we, we cut toward the bros. Koichi is telling this story. And, and we arrive just in time for Okiyasu to say, this cutie is just my type. If only I'd been born 15 years earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe you could have been murdered, too. Yeah, o- Okiyasu wants a relationship with no strings, because uh, there, there is an end date on this. Yeah, you know, Koichi's telling this whole thing, like, his new mission in life, essentially, to mm-hmm, Josuke mm-hmm. Nosukiyasu. And Josuke is just like, okay, but do we know at all if this murderer, the serial killer, uses a stand? Because if they don't, we need to leave this up to the authorities, because Jotaro and the Speedwagon Foundation only deal with shit that has to do with stands. Yeah, yeah. Koichi has made a promise. He's made a pledge. He, he is all about it, while yeah, all the mentors, obviously, only care about stand business. They draw a hard line. And so the yeah. question before Josuke that is not underlined as, or highlighted as much as I wish it were is mm-hmm. where do you stand? Like, you have a choice. What does yeah. protecting Morio mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, may- maybe that will be revisited in the future, but for now, I think it is a, a opportunity for a character moment that is a little dropped. But yeah. I can I forgive it because this episode is made from, I'd say, one or two chapters more than they should have. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the amount of material is not quite enough for two episodes, but it's definitely more than one episode. Because uh, Th- we, we've described two good endings to this episode. There is more and it's still very important. 
important. Yeah. This is an episode that feels like if they could have gotten like a bigger time slot for the episode, it should have been like a 40 minute episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Because, yeah, Josuke is telling Koichi, like, you know, we can't go chasing after every single criminal. The police must have been chasing after this guy for a while, right? They they must be able to catch him eventually. Josuke does say, like, okay, we can try and, you know, check out, check this guy out a little bit but let's take it slow and not do anything rash mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he josuke also says it's not like we're just gonna run into this guy in the middle of the street at any point right in a way where it feels like he's trying to command the guy to appear in front of them <laughs> and it works and it works just not immediately because koichi at, at, like yeah they they have some some pleasantries they say goodbye and koichi just wanders off into the street without looking both ways and he nearly dies yeah he almost gets run over and and josuke pulls him out of the way just in time by the collar of his jacket which is of course knee height for josuke remember <laughs> yeah and so, yeah, this this kind of like white sports car that almost hit J- Koichi, like the windows rolled down and Josuke just apologizes to the driver, like, you know, so sorry about that. Are you OK? You know, but, you know, our bad. The guy driving this car says nothing. He just rolls up the window. Not a fucking word. He just looks at them, looks away, rolls up the window in silence. Now, he does not care about the murder he almost did. Yeah. But once he's driving, he becomes very chatty. He, he's talking to a lady about his family history, about how, you know, he's descended from samurai. Uh, but now he just has his, his modest business because things aren't, you know, the, the way they used to be. They're, they're driving over to his place. And uh, uh, it's hand guy. It's motherfucking hand it's guy. motherfucking hand guy. We have a face. We're about to get his name. His name is Kira. It is, uh, uh, like, written on the the uh, gate to his giant house. Yeah, he's like, got. The, like the, the family nameplate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's going on and on about this stuff, and he's holding this woman's hand, which, again, it's the, the camera framing and stuff is still trying to make it look like this is attached to a full woman. Yeah, yeah. And you not know, just all a, of the other body parts, they're supposed to all be there, but they're yeah, not. Yeah, and, and not just a hand that's been cut off a couple inches above the wrist. And like he's, you know, daintily, you know, holding this woman's hand and going like, hey, where's your imported watch I, I bought you? Oh, it must be in your purse or something. Maybe I get. I guess it doesn't fit you. We'll get it, we'll get it refitted tomorrow. I'm so happy with how they... With, with the voice actor they got for this dude for the english dub mm-hmm. because it conveys his character so fucking perfectly yes i i forgot to look him up i'm gonna do that real quick yeah you are not gonna believe the fun fact i found about shigechi's uh oh, english shit. voice i'm excited dc douglas what have you been hmm. up to in life oh my god look at that face whoa look at him <laughs> He looks like a magician. He, oh shit! He's motherfucking Wesker in Resident Evil. That is, yeah. He's Albert Wesker. That's perfect. Yes. So imagine an Albert Wesker style voice, but less straight up evil and more. Um, if Wesker was dating your daughter and he wanted you to really like him, yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a shitty like trust fund kid who's really trying to play up that he's sophisticated and mm-hmm. rich and classy mm-hmm. it's like that he it's like he's incredibly well-spoken he he never trips over his words he he tries to be like a little um a little more eloquent with his speech mm-hmm. Th- this guy is saying all this stuff to this hand and he parks in uh at his house which is kind of like you know an older traditional japanese family house kind of like the the kujo's house actually yeah yeah 
And so he parks, he gets out, he opens up the passenger side door uh, and to like, you know, get his, the, the, the quote unquote lady out of the car. And you're just going like, oh, what are you shy? What's wrong? And he, you know, pulls her hand out to gently pull her out of the car. And this is when the, the camera pulls out to reveal that it's just in the hand and some of the arm. And it drips some blood on the seat and he gets mad at the hand like, this is so fucking rude of you. I cannot believe this. You have to clean this mess up, you know, miss. Yeah. Oh, God. This is this is when it becomes real creepy, you know, as if the murder wasn't. But uh, yeah. he, he demands his lady friend clean up the mess herself, which is essentially him like putting a wet wipe in the, the, the dismembered hand and then using his... Mem- membered hands to to use it as like a tool yes <laughs> he's invented the wet swiffer but instead of a bit of plastic it's human body parts yeah and it's <laughs> and oh, like it's so chiding this dead woman it's so fucked up you get a close-up of like the hand being just basically just pushed into the car seat trying to wipe up the blood and you hear like the bones in the hands like crunching and cracking as he's doing it. But she does a very good job. The the upholstery is immaculate. Yeah. I should mention that like all the fingernails in these hands are still very well like manicured and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. painted and stuff. After he tells the hand brava, you know, he's just kind of like whispers to the hand like I don't even remember your name. <laughs> but you did a good job. And then he uses the holding the hand still, he uses the hand to pick up like scoop up the purse. Well, it's her purse. He's not going to carry her purse. She's perfectly capable of carrying her own purse. Yeah. And then he begins to walk into the house just saying like, you know, let's cook dinner tonight. What's your best dish? And as he's walking into the house, that's when the camera pans over to the family nameplate, Kira. You know, like killer. Whoa. 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 Some sort of killer man. Whoa. And that is our introduction to to Kira. It'll be a tiny bit longer before we get to see more of this dude. But oh, man. This guy is fucked up. And like, I'm thinking some of this could have been shunted into the next two-parter we're about to talk about, but the vibes would have been all wrong, right? Oh, yeah. Like the the mood swing would have been something for even this show to deal with. Essentially, the real introduction to the main villain of part four makes a lot more sense to be as like the conclusion to To the ghost story. Introducing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is a jam-packed fucking episode. It took us an hour to talk about this twenty-two minute episode. <laughs> There's so much happening in it. Oh, it has three endings. It's fucking Return of the King in twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I cannot believe. Credit to him, I guess, for being able to put that much in without it feeling even more disjointed and, and fast-paced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's it's not that bad. Raimi's personality and uh, uh, Rohan's uh, as a semi-heroic <laughs> figure coming out, mm-hmm. being able to to fit that in and not just have it just be steamrolled by exposition. Also, yeah. to their credit, that must have been a really hard fucking episode to, Gosh, to like, yeah. storyboard and pace out correctly. Like, damn. So that brings us to episode 18, Shigechi's Harvest Part 1, which begins, as so many episodes seem to, with a bird's eye view of Town Square. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Koichi has become a broody superhero overnight. (laughs) He's just monologuing about crime as a disease lurking beneath the skin of Mario. Yeah. Koichi has immediately been burdened with something similar to Batman's burden, but without the dead parents. (laughs) Koichi's journal, day 41. Yeah. I'm kind of hungry and generally a sweet boy, but oh, I got angst. <laughs> There's a murderer out there. We need to catch him. 
Like this feels especially like Western superhero like monologues where he starts singing like, you know, there's a fucking killer out there that we need to catch. And yet the general population doesn't even know he's out there. They're just unaware buying their groceries, thinking about what they're going to have for dinner. Which <laughs> like, I would say is a good thing. That's a good thing. A, I'm glad people are just living happy lives. Yeah, I wish the murderer wasn't. I, I, I that is a problem that requires attention. But for everybody yeah. else, I'm cool with it. Meanwhile, ah shit, Josuke's broke. Yeah, yeah, he'll never <laughs> get them cool shoes he wants. He's only got 285 yen left in his bank account, which is basically like two bucks. Yeah, so so he's like at the the ATM looking at his balance, and then there's a little guy. There's a little guy. There's a little guy running around looking for pocket change that, that rolled beneath the ATM. What's up with that little guy? He's got little legs. He's maybe like four inches tall. He's the size of Kirby. He's a little buck bumble. He, he got, he's yeah, stripey. He's, he got a proboscis. Yeah, kind of bumblebee-like, but running around upright like a man. Uh, <laughs> I love yeah. a little guy. So this is my favorite episode. Oh, yeah. So this little guy has found a one yen coin underneath like this trash can or whatever it speaks it's like i found one and it like strikes a cool pose as mm-hmm. it throws this coin up in the air and it falls into his little coin slot on his forehead meanwhile we had the op happen this time so it's not <laughs> we got room to breathe in this episode but yep. yeah he he puts a coin in his little uh noggin slot and then just <laughs> pew, off he goes he's the new main character i love him forever and Josuke sees this and goes, what the fuck? That's clearly a standard. Two, hey, that's money. <laughs> and so he starts just chasing after this little guy who runs pretty damn fast, about the same speed as a human, despite just being so tiny. Running through, you know, the sidewalks. Uh, the, this little guy is is dodging around ankles while Josuke has to deal with the whole person at his scale. Uh, but then yeah. there's another one joins there's up. Another. They're running side by side. They're, they're, little, they're little buddies. And Okiasu is in chase after this one. <laughs> Yep. See, what happened was Okiyasu was at a vending machine, and he got himself a drink that he spilled on himself, and and now he just <laughs> wants revenge against the nearest creature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josuke is just very confused, because it's just like, you're screaming like it attacked you. Are you telling me these stands aren't attacking either of us, and they're just running around with money on their heads? Like, more and more of these little guys keep appearing. And they, by all these guys have like six arms. Yeah, yeah. Four arms. There's a full swarm of little fellas. Once they're, when there's one or two, they they are drawn normally like everything else. But once we are in the dozens range, they they are all like CG animated uh, renders, like pasted into the frame. Yeah. I can, their, their little CG models are cute. They look like they're from a Dreamcast game. They're very cute. And I do like, <laughs> I would be curious about a test uh, of just doing all stands that way to, to represent the otherworldliness and like there's something oh, yeah. outside the norm. I don't know if it's what they should do, but I'd be interested if they tested it, you know? Yeah. They also probably must have done tests for that at some point just because it could potentially save budget. Mm-hmm, possibly mm-hmm. depending on how they were going to animate it but. then the problem is so so much of what stands do would break the models you're you might be yeah. better off not having the models <laughs> yeah they have followed this giant swarm of these little guys all the way out into like a through a bunch of trees and out into like a little park or like a little a little hill yeah yeah they're, they're all running to like this lake house set off away from the main drag yeah yeah and they've all gathered in one spot, and they all eject their coins into a big pile a 
big on the ground. Big pile, big happy pile of jingly janglies. And we find the stand user who is a happy little troll man. <laughs> yeah. He's a little roly poly fella. You know, I haven't played Persona, but I know what Teddy looks like. Yeah, he's the shape of Teddy, kind of. Why you're at the bottom, though. <laughs> And he's got little spikes on his head, like like your uh, uh, mechanic friend from Kotor too. He's got a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a little bit of Dathomir in him. Yeah, Th- this little roly poly guy, is, you know, is thanking his stand, which he he calls Harvest. Yes, Harvest is named for the 1972 Neil Young album that is mm. pretty good. Then some of the most famous Neil Young songs are on it. Yeah. Josuke and Okuyasu are are spying on this kid while hiding in some bushes, but they get caught. Mm-hmm. And and the framing is like, here's a new guy to fight. Little guy suddenly appears very big and looming. He looks scary. And then that just fades away. And actually, he's smiling. He's missing a bunch of teeth. <laughs> he doesn't just smile. He says, grin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. The whole time he's bopping around and talking, I'm thinking he's six years old. We're about to find out he's like 13 or 14. Yeah, he's in eighth grade. Fuck that. He is six years old. <laughs> yeah. He's just a, a roly-poly six-year-old. But yeah, he his name is Shigechi. His proper name is Shigeki Oyangu, he, but uh, he says, quote, my mommy and daddy call me Shigeki because I'm their special little man. <laughs> yeah, little that's Shige when or I Shigechi. fell in love. Yeah, he, I think he originally says they used to call me little Shige, but once I grew up a little bit, they called me Shigechi because I'm a special little man. Because he's their special little man. <laughs> His parents talk about him the way I talk about my dog. Yeah. <laughs> And Shigechi is overjoyed that Josuke and Okuyasu can see his stand because, you know, this is another person who doesn't know what stands are. They just have a weird power. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's another magical little quote that's not in the episode. It's from, like, the director's write-up of the episode from the Blu- Blu-ray release or whatever. Oh, yeah. Quote, Shigechi is a funny little guy, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> he is. It's true. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's Josuke and Okiyasu show off their stands and go like, oh yeah, we have these powers too. They're called stand. You know, hello. And Shigechi immediately goes, oh my god, does that mean we're friends? <laughs> so Shigechi is that kid I think everyone had one of in their class, which was the kid who always had snot running down his face. Absolutely, because it's Cause true. That, he does constantly. Yeah. And he doesn't stop talking because now that he has yeah. friends, he has to tell them every single fact about his life. He tells them about his pet turtle named Gonda. He shows them a <laughs> picture of his mother. The next thing that happens is his fucking like social security number and some blackmail on his dad i swear <laughs> and to to keep up with the i guess now tradition everyone's got a hot mom so when shigechi shows off this picture of his mom okiyasu goes damn your mom's hot i think it's more that okiyasu thinks every woman is hot <laughs> he's never seen a girl he wasn't into he that, just loves you know, women that's true he loves them all of them i guess uh, yeah maybe okiyasu is one of those all women are queens type of <laughs> type of guy <laughs> So what they have here is a special little man who has piles and piles of pocket change because his stand harvest is, is a big old swarm. They they don't say it like directly until part two, but you can intuit by now. Its ability is like he just tells his stand, go find 
things that fit in category X, right? Yeah. And they will harvest them and, and go find as, as many as they can. And so mm-hmm. Shigechi has been collecting coins. Yeah, just spare change, just under shit or, you know, just on the ground, wherever. Because a policeman told him that he doesn't have to report lost money if it's under 100 yen, which means yeah. some, some like, beat cop who doesn't know shit about stands, <laughs> a little kid's like, hey, mister, I found a quarter. Do I have to turn that in? And he made up a bullshit rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, with the power of Harvest, this is actually working out and being pretty lucrative for him. Yeah. He's got, he has found 120,000 yen, mm-hmm. which is like over a grand. Just in US the dollars. weight of that alone in coins. Yeah. Like he's got like, um, like he's got multiple like coffee tins just full of co- of coins to the brim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Josuke and Okiyasu both freak the fuck out. Like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, they're like complimenting Shigechi like that's actually a really smart fucking thing to do your stand's really cool and like hey it's actually a good thing you're doing for the community because you're finding all this money and you know putting it back into the economy yeah yeah uh, Josuke goes full like micro econ <laughs> on him like yes <laughs> yeah. yes clearing out couch cushions is going to save the nation of Japan <laughs> yeah and as Josuke is saying this, Okuyasu is slowly backing out of the frame while dragging one foot on the ground. This limping shuffle, just like whistling <laughs> innocently. And yeah, he's got basically a dollar worth of change under his shoe. He's trying to rob this kid. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Josuke just under his breath, says, you sneaky dick. And yeah, so Okiyasu's conscious like, oh, geez, that 350 yen coins? How did that get there? Damn. And Shigechi's just like, I'll give you half <laughs> of all this money. Because they're friends, and that's what friends are for. So yeah. so our heroes immediately have a conference on whether to take advantage of the very <laughs> simple boy. Yeah. He cannot handle eighth grade coursework. What is wrong with you? Josuke is more on the side of good where it's like he's very tempted to just take the money mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he's just like this is wrong I can't do this and Okuyasu meanwhile is shedding tears he's about how throwing how the money at you just a huge co- jangly coffee can yeah but Josuke has a plan a plan to make everyone happy oh uh, yeah then we get our title card of harvest uh uh so yes the the best way the best way to build friendship um, among new friends is to start a small business together. <laughs> yep. In in the same way that the best way to save your failing marriage is to have a baby, uh-huh. uh, they, they are going to become business partners. From the get-go, you can tell this isn't going to go real fucking bad. But, <laughs> yeah. like, Josuke, they're all on a park bench now, and Josuke is saying, like, we can't accept half of this money you can't you know it's not good to try and buy friendship mm-hmm, with money mm-hmm. but hey it's okay we're already basically friends and here's something better let's all make money together with a business proposition i just thought of yeah this whole lesson is shigechi learning very valuable lessons about friendship essentially yeah. uh, what a friend is what to expect from a friend and how to treat a friend yeah so here's Josuke's plan. You know, collecting all these coins has worked out pretty good, but these are really small denominations. You know, there's other ways to make money. There's lots of convenience stores in other places that when you you purchase, when you buy a certain amount of stuff from 
some stores, you might get like a coupon or you might get like from uh, this one convenience store, they give out little stamps that you can bring back mm-hmm. and you'll get a dollar, uh, like a hundred yen back in yeah. cash. F- fill up a stamp book, you get cash back. Hooray. Yeah. Lots of people just either drop these or they just throw them away because they can't be bothered. So what if we have Harvest fly out to grab all of these coupons and stamps and, and all these other things that can be redeemed for cash value in some way? They, they, are, they are going to scrounge for punch cards, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it works. Just huge, huge piles of all these like customer loyalty program bits and bobs. And uh, uh, I have never, never in my life seen someone so excited to get a free six inch sub as, as Okiasu <laughs> and Josuke as, as the stamps keep keep uh, uh, piling up. Also, I just love like you see multiple shots like all over Morio. There are dozens of Harvest running around, you know, speaking in one or two, maybe three word sentences, just like coupon, coupon. I found it coupon. And like they're just running around convenience stores and no one can see them. But can they see the stamps just running around the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody notices these stamps. That's the point. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. And the beauty of the plan is with Crazy Diamond. All of the ones that are thrown out for, for being damaged or, or torn yeah. or whatever, you just fix that right up. Yeah, it's a good plan. And there is some really good, funny shots of like, you know, the whole, all three of these guys just being showered upon by hundreds of little coupons and stamps and like Okuyasu marveling at this mountain of, you know, 20 yen stamps and discount codes for a video game store and his eyes just widening and and widening more and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so funny. Little precious little Shigechi says, quote, I have friends now. Friendship is the coolest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josuke and Okiyasu are constantly complimenting Shigechi because yes. his stand is raking in the cash for them. And he loves compliments. No one's ever complimented him before this day because he's a yeah. weird little troll man. <laughs> he's a weird little guy. And it, like you can already tell that the amount of compliments and praise that Shigechi is getting is starting to go to his head a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they've amassed a massive collection of stamps and all these other things. So it's time to try to actually cash this in. So Josuke's the one going into the Kameyu convenience store to do this. And mm-hmm. Okuyasu and Shigechi are just kind of peeking around like a parking sign, sweating, thinking they're about to get busted by the cops yeah, or something. Yeah, the, this the is jig a, is up, baby. This is Yeah, it's like something that is completely innocuous to everyone else, but <laughs> it's like high stakes for them. <laughs> so while they are crouching, you know, watching the, the store for, for Josuke to eventually come out, Koichi is watching them. Yeah, he's just wondering like, what his friend is up to with this small pointy child. <laughs> yeah. And then Yukiko is watching Koichi wondering what her <laughs> her crush is doing looking at his friend looking at a convenience store. <laughs> and uh, uh, Koichi does notice her and that's the end of the chain, but I wish it just went on forever. I wish yeah. it was like Rohan being like, "Yeah, I read about you in his head." And then Mr. Locke is looking <laughs> at Rohan like, "Hey, this dude is fucking pre- is pretty fucking successful. I bet I could scam his ass." and it goes to like every character we've seen until it gets to Jotaro is just like I don't give a shit about what anybody's looking at anybody for (laughs) yeah I have to make another phone call about fish Uh, Josuke comes out of the Kameyu market. He he's acting grim, like this. You know, the, this plan maybe it didn't work. Mm-hmm, uh, he's saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, there's been an unexpected situation. There's a long pregnant pause, and then fucking kablam! 
it's even more money than they thought. It's 61,500 yen. Well, even between, he reveals like, okay, this store with the cash back wasn't the first place he went. Uh, uh, the first right. place he went was like some entertainment chain. Uh, and they, they couldn't offer him cash, but they could give him store credit. 400,000 yen worth of free CDs and video games. Yeah, yeah. And everyone acts like this is a terrible, terrible news. That's 25 PlayStations. No, yeah, that, that is a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I checked the Japanese price of a PlayStation in 1999. Don't, don't you. <laughs> and so they're ecstatic that just the stamps for, for Kameyu, Kameyu alone is over 61,000 yen. Yes. This is like, they're, they're all ecstatic. They're, they got fucking spending money for days. And then, you know, they split up the cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shigechi has just this big fanned out wad of bills and he he does a 180 spots a hot lady walk down the sidewalk and starts waving the money at her and says hey toots you want to have a good time (laughs) (laughs) he's a special little man it's so fucking funny. Okiyasu and, and Josuke are immediately like, no, what are you doing? They just grab him and turn him right back around like, you Calm. cannot do that. No, Calm down, you. dude. <laughs> God. So obviously, Harvest, one of the most powerful stands we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Why not say, hey, Harvest, go look for murder clues. We can <laughs> right? solve this in a day. Yeah, like, how vague can you get? And it still works. I want to know. But here is the turn that we all knew was coming. When you, you make a deal with a six-year-old, I, <laughs> I ignore the, the truth of the situation and substitute it with my own. Yeah. When you make a deal with a six-year-old, do not expect him to follow the terms of the deal. Yeah. And so they're they're walking down the street, and Shigechi's actually holding on to all of the money right now. And they're like, hey, you know, because earlier they agreed on Shigechi would get half, and Josuke and Okuyasu would get the other half, or mm-hmm. whatever money was collected. And they're like, hey, can we get our half of the money? And Shigechi pulls out, like, a single 10,000 yen bill, and he hands it over to them. Not normally, but, like, pinch between two fingers the way uh, Japanese people hold shogi pieces and like with one finger like his pinky finger flared out and he looks like a, he's leaning back and looking down like with his, his, yes, his chin yes. lowered Even though like he's, he's a two fucking, feet high yeah yeah and he whenever he gets into this like personality he's drawn like a fucking mob boss <laughs> It's so funny. It's so good. It's so good. But you got to lay off. He only learned about division last week. He's not that good yeah. at it yet. Yeah. So so Josuke is insisting that, hey, this is not the, the split we worked out. Wait a minute. You you got to treat your friends better like that. We, we had a deal. Mm-hmm. And, and this is when he learns about labor power. Because <laughs> without Harvest, there would be no money. Harvest is entitled to all that it creates. And... <laughs> So, so yeah, Josuke can just go pound sand, I guess. So, yeah, they, they've only been given 10,000 yen, and, and that's all Shigechi is agreeing to give them. They, they go by a vending machine, and he's like, oh, Okuyasu, I won't give you money, but, you know, I'll buy you whatever you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he asks for the same drink that he spilled on himself, the inciting incident of the episode. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Shigechi's like, oh, good choice. Go have at it. And he doesn't pay. Yeah, yep. And so now they're they're going back to the park uh, where they had collected a bunch of stamps earlier, and they have a gigantic trash bin full of discarded lottery tickets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they had harvest collect. And they're starting to sift through these. Like Okuyasu's got this little this little like book 
that that contains all of like the the winning numbers for the past X amount of dates or whatever. Uh, apparently, this collection was Okiyasu's idea. Josuke thought it, it was a pretty dumb idea because who throws away a winning lottery ticket? Come on, come on! Mm-hmm. And anything we can pick up is going to be useless. And so Okuyasu is the one taking the time to sift through all of these all of these lottery tickets and and checking up to see if they actually won anything. And lo and behold, he fucking lands on a winner. Hell yes. And then a fireworks show starts as, as everyone <laughs> starts screaming about, uh, uh, was it 5 million yen jackpot? Yeah, it's like the third place jackpot. Okuyasu reads the code, six digits on the, the ticket, and then he reads the book. And then he reads the ticket again and then reads the books like, okay, that's a winning fucking number. And like his thumb is like shaking mm-hmm. and just slowly revealing the, how much it's worth. Five. And when he sees it's 5 million yen, there's a really funny animation of him basically going completely stiff and then just rolling onto the ground on his back like a flip turtle. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many turtles. This kid's got a pet turtle, yeah. fountain turtle, Susie Q's turtle. Yeah, there's there's also way more possibly more important turtles in in our future watching shoujo so yeah they they check over the 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 ticket like eight times because they're just in so much disbelief that they have a five million dollar winning ticket so so once like the the shock the initial celebration ends josuke is already spending all the money in his head he's gonna take a trip to tonio's uh (laughs) he's gonna go all over the place yeah, he's going to go overseas. He's going to get a fitted suit for his, I think, i trying to remember how the English dub phrase this. I think he says, I'm going to get a, a sweet new fitted suit for my sexy body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's feeling good. Yeah. He's one third of five million yen richer. Hell yes. Yeah, him and Okiyasu are celebrating. And this episode ends with the cliffhanger mm-hmm. of Shigechi, his back turned to them. Shigechi just thinking, you know, those Cretans, you know, it's, it's Harvest that collected all those tickets. I'm going to get that money. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he, he, they're they're basically showing like a dark take on the little red hen, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. What if the little red hen was lying and all of uh, uh, their friends actually did help make the bread? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was Okiyasu's idea to get the tickets, and he was searching through every single number. Yeah, he was putting. He was putting. That in is work. valuable work. Somebody has to actually go to the authority because they're not going to give this kid the time of day. Yeah, and like Josuke probably helped too to repair the tickets. It's a joint effort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never mind the pre-existing plane agreement. Like once again, they reiterated before Okiyasu even found the ticket. It's mm-hmm. it's half for the kid, half for the two of us. And like to be honest, that's a pretty good deal for Shigechi. Pretty good. Fucking half of it, two point five million. He, he'll never need milk money again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can get bullied and and mugged every day, and he'll still be rolling in cash. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying he should be. I'm just saying he could. Be. No, he could buy a bodyguard. Episode nineteen, Shigechi's Harvest Part Two begins with the three of them going to the bank. Yes, yes. They're just gazing upon the the edifice of the bank. This tall lavender bank. And inside, the the lottery man, the lottery man is apparently a bank teller. It's just some guy who works the window, his job is also to to issue lottery questions. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he starts with no questions. He's very congratulatory. He, He offers up, you know, the check immediately. But then, internal monologue, he's very serious. He's got a plan. Yeah. 
Uh, and then after the OP, here comes the questions like, where did you buy the winning ticket? Because these lottery tickets all have, you know, a, a serial number that can be traced to the point of origin. Mm -hmm. And he says to himself, quote, my teller senses have never failed me and you hoodlums <laughs> reek of foul play. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the beginning of this episode is like one of those, you know, random, weird, tense Jojo situations that happens. And it's just a bank teller quizzing a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they say, of course, we, we bought it at a store in town and he counters with not a single store in Morio sells lottery tickets. <laughs> this is the weirdest town in the world like come on it's very weird morio has some type of law against lottery tickets at this point my prediction is it's joseph's mm, he mm -hmm. just forgot to check the numbers in one of his less lucid moments yeah and josuke will collect his next of kin and and everything's hunky-dory and they will shame <laughs> the teller for doubting him <laughs> all, all three of the the gang here are very nervous they weren't expecting to be questioned like this. They, they think they're about to be caught at any moment. They actually see the door to the room they're in opens just a tiny bit. And there's a security guard mm -hmm. on the other mm -hmm. side listening. And so they're trying to say like, oh, our mistake. We didn't buy it in Morio. We forgot where we bought it. It's been so long since we bought it. The, the bank teller makes the situation even worse. He reveals, hey, by the way, kids, if you just turn the lottery ticket around there's like a little field here where the person who bought the ticket can write their name and phone number <laughs> and it's not your any of your names <laughs> so now now they got to come up with an excuse for that Wait, why were there so many lottery tickets in a town that doesn't sell lottery tickets <laughs> i don't know everybody just driving out to s city for for maybe harvest went out really far and wide <laughs> Uh, I, I love Josuke just saying, oh, geez, how did none of us remember to check that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the name of the, the guy who bought the ticket and, and wrote his name in the back is Ichiro, Ichiro Morishita. And so the teller just starts dialing that phone number and everyone begins hyperventilating and sweating out of their <laughs> skin. At that point, seeing that reaction, you can just say, ah, oh, this ain't your ticket. I don't have to finish this phone call. Like, I know. So, yeah, he, he, the bank teller is slowly dialing the number and, and continuing to say other things he's going to have to do to validate the, the, this winning ticket. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we might have to do handwriting analysis on the, the, the note back here. Cause Josuke is claiming that the, the name and phone number is just one of his friends. Yeah, yeah. He, he was getting his friend's phone number and, and just kind of accidentally wrote it on the back of the lottery It was ticket. just the paper he had on hand, yeah. And it says phone number right there, so that's why I wrote my friend's phone number, obviously. Yeah. So the phone picks up, and a man answers, and he's like, oh yeah, I did buy a lottery ticket. I wonder where that went. You found it? That's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> uh, back to the, the bank teller's internal monologue. Now I've got you dunderheaded delinquents. <laughs> yeah. Some people love their jobs. Some people love their jobs so much. Yeah, this dude loves being a fucking bank teller. Because <laughs> sometimes he gets to stick it to those damn kids. Yeah. Now, now Crazy Diamond. Crazy Diamond mm -hmm. has done so many things over mm -hmm. its adventures so far. But this one suggests we've still only been scratching the surface of its capabilities. Yeah. Josuke can repair things to the way they were. We, we've also seen that he can re-scramble the structure of an object. 
as the bank teller is on the phone with this Morishita guy, Crazy Diamond shoots out and everyone else who can see stands goes, oh shit. And Crazy Diamond punches the, the lottery ticket. And he specifically is only punching the ink of the name written on the note, which causes some of the ink to reshape into a different character. Yeah, yeah. He just gives this guy a different first initial and changes the last name a little bit and and transposes some of the numbers of the phone number. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So 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 now when the the bank teller is confirming, he says the name that he's reading, which is not the name of the man he called. So he's like, oh. Oh, I guess it was my mistake. I have to try this play again with this phone number, make sure I've got it quote unquote right this time. And that yeah. number does not exist. It doesn't connect. So he can't prove anything with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love one of the crazier uses of, of Josuke's stand is to just fuck up a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> he could just turn any lottery ticket into a winner. Oh, God, I guess he could then. Yeah, it's just Josuke's been just enough of a good boy to not do it. I guess checking it against the serial number would would cause some problems. Solvable problems for Crazy Diamond, to be sure, but some problems. Yeah, the bank teller basically just admits defeat and goes like, "Okay, I guess this fucking lottery winning ticket is yours. And so now they have left the bank and they have the... They've been given a promissory note because it yes. takes three days for the bank to get the, the payment ready. And so they, they just got to hold on to this note until then. I love that the bank gave them a check and it's like, don't cash this until the first of the month, though. Please. <laughs> yeah. Please. You're yeah. the fucking bank, though. You're the bank. So Shigechi's the one holding on to the note all of a sudden. And they're both like, hey, what the fuck, dude? We, again, promised on exactly the distribution of, of money here. And again, this is an easy fix. You just rip it to shreds and hold it hostage with Crazy Diamond's ability. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. Shigechi tries to bribe them by just giving each of them a $10,000 or a 10,000 yen bill. And this is when Okiyasu lays out a child. He <laughs> Okiyasu fucking snaps and he decks this kid across the face. It just flattens him out. He has lost all of his baby teeth now. They're all gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so Josuke like yells at Okuyasu, is like, you didn't have to take it this far. And he feels really bad that Shigechi's been socked in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's apologizing to him. And, but he does say, you know, this is getting really out of hand. Let's just distribute the money like agreed. And to make this easier, we'll hold on to the note until three days from now. And then we can go our separate ways after we get the money. And then he and Okuyasu do the money dance. <laughs> yeah, the money dance. I love it. I love the money dance. They're just bonking each other's forearms with their forearms. Yeah. It's, it's sort of yeah. like patty cake, but with closed fists. Yeah, yeah. And they, they are just so excited that they're going to be rich soon. As they're doing that, one of the little guys from Harvest is perched up on Okuyasu's uh, shoulder. Mm-hmm. Shigachi is talking through the stand like, hey, I fucking heard all of that with my stand. I'm, you know, I'm going to fucking show you what happens when you mess with me. And then Harvest tears out a chunk of Okuyasu's ear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just rips it right off. And then hops away with the check and Shigechi just threatens their lives. Nobody's getting a penny out of him upon penalty <laughs> of death. Yeah. And so Harvest also steals the the note back from them. It's on. It's time to fight for real. <laughs> but, but wait, Okuyasu's legs feel weird. 
quote, something weird's happening in my pants. <laughs> yeah. Josuke doesn't quite get what he's talking about, what he means. He's just like, oh, you've got an itch, just scratch it, whatever. We got, we got something to do here. Even though he can clearly see that Okiyasu's pants are are uh, exploding, it looks like... <laughs> like 20 large hamsters are trying to jump out of the pants in every direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and like the way that his pants are like very dark and kind of shiny, it looks like a ferrofluid under magnets, actually, yes. yeah. the, the way his pants are moving. And so Okiyasu falls to the, to the ground and he lifts up his pant legs and there are like dozens mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. harvest just tearing, Shredding either biting, either biting or punching flesh off of his legs or even just like grabbing and ripping the flesh off of his fucking legs. They're fucking working the roast beef station at the Old Country Buffet on yes, his legs. That's what, it, that's what it looks like. It's so gross. <laughs> uh, Shigechi fucking runs off. He's pretty fast, actually. Yeah, yeah. Cra- Crazy Diamond and the Hand are trying to swat at these stands, but it's the classic swarm problem. They're they're outnumbered. Nothing you do to one of them is, is going to, to solve anything. Yeah. Uh, we get our mid-episode title card. It's Crazy Diamond's turn again. And so back in the action, this little idiot imp has <laughs> figured out some of the wildest uses for its stand. Oh, it's so good. He just falls over on his back stiff and onto a bed of harvest that runs with him while passing him forward. And so he's continually, like, dispersing the harvest swarms that he passes over and then resummoning them ahead of him so that they're running forward while passing him forward continually like tank treads. (laughs) Yes. Those two vectors of motion combined, he's going just incredibly fast. And it allows him to go straight up vertical surfaces like buildings. Yeah, yeah. He comes around a corner through an alley and scares a cat and then scales the wall of this like condo building. <laughs> and like lightning speed. It's so good. <laughs> so uh, uh, two can play at this game. Crazy Diamond and the Hand throw one another up uh, all of the, the balconies and fire escapes of this condo building one floor at a time, which mm-hmm. also throws the, the, the two boys, their users, along with. Some fun stand-based traversal in this part. Uh, it's fucking Cirque du Soleil-ass thing the, the the Hand and Crazy Diamond are doing. And so the, everyone's on top of these buildings now, and Shigechi crosses from one building to another by running across like a pipe that connects the two buildings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's two of these pipes. And the rest of this fight, the rest of this fight I love because <laughs> it is just, uh, it, it started with the, the escape plan, really, but it's mm-hmm. just a, a, a showcase for cool things these stands can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like Josuke and Okiyasu are also crossing these pipes that connect the buildings, but they the pipes collapse as they're running across them because, you know, Harvest can collect anything. And so Harvest has collected all of the nuts and bolts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from these pipes. And so the pipes aren't connected to anything. So they just fall off in free fall until Crazy Diamond does the glowy touch on the pipe to reassemble it back into yep. place, lifting the boys back up. And they do a cool pose, too. Leaning real hard in those pipes. So now Josuke starts seeing triple, and he collapses. Like, he's all fucked up. He's got real bad balance. His face is flushed all of a sudden. So Shigechi announces what he did. He he commanded some of Harvest to go collect some booze. 
He robbed the liquor store, and then they used their pointy little proboscises to inject alcohol into both Josuke and Okiyasu intravenously. <laughs> yeah, so they're fucked up drunk now. <laughs> fucked up so bad. Like, okay, I didn't check, but this has to be so bad for you, right? This has to be really bad. Like, this... this this has to be some, like, pure grain alcohol, like any, like, flavorings or, or like, stuff leached out of the oak barrels for uh, while aging. It's got to be real bad to just be in your blood, right? Yes, yeah. This is, like, uh, go to the hospital immediately, I think. This is, like... And the worst thing is, Okiyasu is straight edge for life. <laughs> yeah. You can't do this to my boy. Oh, man. So yeah, they're just both utterly shit-faced. They can't get up off the ground. They can't fight. And Shigechi is saying like, you know, basically gloating over them. Both these guys have harvests clinging to, you know, every part of their body. And there's a single harvest that clings onto Okuyasu's face, winds up a punch, pulls back, and just plunges its fist into Okuyasu's eyeball. (laughs) Yeah. So he's lost an eye. It's basically gouged out an eye. And now he is ready to grovel in order to save both of them. And he offers what little money he has. Uh, Not not just giving back, you know, his claim on on what he he thought he was owed. No, just everything out of his fucking pockets. Just just, uh, uh, to offer penance to the great Shigechi. Yeah. Okuyasu is is begging and groveling and he's like trying to wink 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 nudge nudge to Josuke like play along. So Shigechi of course is is subject to all of this flattery. Again, compliments work on him real good. Anything he doesn't take as a compliment throws him off the handle into a rage. Uh, yeah. uh but but now he's like, "Yeah, yeah, let me let me get closer and get that money." And then at the very last second, he realizes he's being baited. But he's still <laughs> close enough for the hand to, like, void teleport and pull the, the promissory note out of Shigechi's hands, and it floats on a little bit of breeze into Josuke's hands. Yep, Josuke does the 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 thing that I, anybody who's watching this has this idea, and Josuke thankfully does the thing. Yep, 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 yep. He, he obliterates this promissory note, tears it up in t- into tiny little pieces and scatters it to the wind because the only way this note can be put back together now is with the power of Crazy Diamond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even this is not enough to get Shigechi to, to cooperate. No, he's he'll figure out another way to put this back together because only Harvest is strong enough to, to get all the pieces in the first place. So mm-hmm. now all, all of Harvest is gone to collect these teeny itty-bitty shreds flying away on the breeze, but this leaves him utterly defenseless. Now there's no <laughs> more little harvest left to protect him from furious punching. Yep, so he just gets punched hard. Not by a stand. Josuke just punches him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so they basically beat his ass. Uh, uh, <laughs> these teenagers are bullying a small six-year-old child. Oh my god! And like while they're looming over, looming over him, just as they are about to beat him up, they're still shit faced. So they're like wobbling back and forth a ton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the only mitigating circumstance to to explain why they think this is a good idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but they make him cry, uncle. Essentially, uh, uh, he he uh, gives in and and honors quote Okiyasu the Great. <laughs> yes. And then they say that's our special little man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There's a point where 
Shigechi's you know nose has been bloody a little bit. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. He's been bopped in the head a couple of times as as Josuke is telling Shigechi like you're being a fucking dick. Quit it. Uh, where Shigechi tears well up, the camera zooms in on him, and then boop over a single frame, he snaps back into like special little boy mode. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. And he's just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I was being so greedy, and that was really messing up with my persona- my personality. I'm so sorry. I was so mean to all of you guys." Yeah, I, I do love getting parenting lessons from Josuke, the guy who won't even go into a baby store. <laughs> So, so the, the problem here, though, that we've all hit is that five million is not divisible by three. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do here, but yeah, I don't know. But they, they harvest does recollect all of the the shredded little bits of the note, put it back together, with crazy diamond, and they actually do get the five million yen from the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there is a point where Shigechi gets a little shitty again and says, actually, my, my harvest is like 500 strong. So really, this money should be divided up by each individual stand yeah, as well. F- 502 also does not divide evenly into five million yen. So we're, we're back yeah. at square one. <laughs> but uh, uh, watch it, Shigechi. Okay, okay. I'm a special little man. And so... <laughs> Uh, as they, they walk away with their earnings, the narrator chimes in to ins- insist that one and two-thirds million yen is too much money for a high schooler to have. Well, you know what? <laughs> Nobody asked you. Go host your radio show. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I, th- I think the last thing the, sa- the, the narrator says after saying that is, say la vie. <laughs> well, the narrator actually says, to be continued for the first time ever. Oh, right. He says to be continued. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of changes in uh, uh, con- the conclusion, Shigechi is also in the end credits. Yeah. Earlier, but before we wrap up, uh, I did mm. promise that I found some facts about Shigechi's English voice. Ooh, yeah, what is it? In 1999, he was in a, a short-run musical in Los Angeles called White Trash Wins Lotto. Huh? Lottery? What? Uh? What the fuck? It was by uh, independent music artist Andy Preboy, and he played the the lead role, either Axl Rose or a heavily Axl Rose-inspired character, depending <laughs> on who you ask. Okay. Uh, it, it's sort of a biopic of, you know, him coming up and hitting it big in the music industry uh, mm-hmm. d- during, the, you know, the hair metal era. It has... Not much to do with anything, <laughs> okay. but that does make him one of very few JoJo's actors to appear on the Conan O'Brien show. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, you, you can see like a, a three song medley they put together as the musical guest one time. Some some episode dating from the oh, year man. 2000. That's great. And uh, one last thing, I guess. A uh, happy new year, everybody. Oh, shit. That's when this episode's coming out. Damn. I I believe this is the first episode to come out in the year 2022. Oh, man. I don't want to get older. It worked for Jotaro. It did work for Jotaro, actually. He he, he got younger with age. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll happen to me. Well, I need you to look real close at some sharks. <laughs> that yeah, that's the key to key to, to youth. Apparently his his landmark work was working with whales and sharks. Yes. And yeah. I wonder how much of it came from him seeing the inside of a shark very early in his globe trotting. Right. He did punch the shit out of a shark. God, was that that and him finding Dark Blue Moon and almost drowning in the ocean what got him interested in fish? <laughs> the whole ocean is mine now. I claim it by right of urine. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the end of the the three episodes for for today's podcast. I think these are all really solid episodes. Shigechi's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like yeah. 
Rohan Kishibe's adventure is a really important episode that sets the rest of part four up, basically. Mm -hmm. Raimi's cool, too. Yeah, like, if I was the fanfic type, I would definitely be writing cute little stories about, like... Uh, Koichi going to visit Raimi and like playing uh, uh, songs from the last 16 <laughs> years she hasn't heard. Uh, oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, just like cute, sweet stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, because Raimi's range isn't any anywhere beyond the Osen convenience store, so... Anything that's happening, she can only learn about via that store, I guess. She's like the Jay and Silent Bob of Morio. She's just hanging out <laughs> on the curb. Yeah. Oh, boy. The dog is Silent Bob. <laughs> yeah. I love Shigechi. He, he's a fun, weird little guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I was saying before we started the podcast, he really feels like the JoJo version of Bobby Hill to me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Shigechi starting a, a sketch comedy group with his mom <laughs> and his dad's coworkers. During the stand fight in this, it would just be Shigechi using his ultimate technique of uh, saying, that's my purse, I don't know you, and kicking Okiyasu in the ball. <laughs> I think you mean headbutting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's such a Which would be bad with all the spikes. That'd be very bad. Oh, yeah, that'd be bad, actually. Uh, again, uh, just the problems of adaptation did hamstring uh, Rohan Kishibi's adventure a bit, but boy... They they work through it like champs. That that episode could have been yeah. trash, but it was pretty great, even with the those yeah. difficulties laid on it. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 our first real look at the new antagonist of part four, and he makes such an impression in such a short time. Yeah, and like, it's it it really does speak to the the voice acting, the, the direction, the storyboarding, everything coming together. Like in a world of the creepiest fucking people. In this yeah. town, he is something else entirely still. <laughs> yeah, like Dio has, is an extremely fun, memorable villain in Stars in, in, in JoJo. Yeah, but, but I wouldn't call him creepy. He's he's camp. The dude's yeah, fucking absolutely. over the top. When we finally get around to later in the in the show, when we get to see more of Kira and what his character is, he's such an interesting contrast to Dio. Every moment is just, what is wrong with you? What, yeah. How like, does your brain work? What is your deal? <laughs> yeah. Like this episode, you only get to see Kira doing shit for like 60 seconds, 90 seconds total. And it leaves a huge impression on you for being like, this guy is fucked up. With that small bit, like there's, I feel like there's so many stories that try to have some type of creepy serial killer type character, and a lot of the time they go overboard or they just can't quite nail it, and so it's just kind of cheesy and like too try hard almost. Like I'm trying to make a guy who's fucked up, and it's so much easier in uh, uh, like episodic things where like yeah, there, there are a lot of great serial killers in Fringe, but I I think if they had to like carry a, a season or even like a four episode plot. I don't think any yeah. I'd like any of them that much. <laughs> yeah. This show does an incredible job of of making a serial killer character who is one like interesting enough to carry an entire season and is also like one of the only times I've seen someone write a character like that where it truly feels like what the fuck is wrong with this guy mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. a way that <laughs> that's just like ugh. Ugh, it actually gets under my skin this guy, but that's for later. But yeah, I guess next week we'll we'll see it with another three episodes. Mm -hmm, we're we're mm -hmm. getting into the the middle of the show now with the the first episode of the the upcoming three being called Yukako Yamagishi Dreams of Cinderella. Aww, we we're getting a Yukako episode, which I'm, I'm very happy for. I love Yukako. She's not going to take well to Raimi. I tell you what. Don't show her the ghost girl. She'll figure out a way to kill her. 
And that will be followed by, oh boy, uh, Yoshikage Kira wants to live quietly, parts one and two. Yup. And you know uh, what? Uh, I get that vibe. He seems like a pretty quiet guy, and maybe mm-hmm. that's one of the worst parts. Yeah, it's. I cannot wait for those two episodes. They are incredible. But yeah, until next week. You got any friends that want to know about JoJo? Please, you know, tell them about this show. I think mm-hmm. it's a pretty decent way to experience the show, especially if you've uh, don't really you've never really known much about it. We're on the usual places. It's a brand new year. We're we're in a brand new. Uh, yeah. uh, every week seems like a brand new uh, uh, beginning for for part four. Uh, some more <laughs> some more than others. And this one, like yeah, we've seen the face and name of our final antagonist. Yep. But yeah, just let people know about the show. It's, it's uh, word of mouth is how this stuff grows a lot of the time, you know. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to support us, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Chip and uh, The money just helps us pay bills and <laughs> keep making this stuff without having to worry about other shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, until then, we'll see you next week. To be continued. Later. I'm quoting the narrator when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.